This week on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we talk Hot Wheels Unleashed and discuss the anticlimactic end of the ScarJo Disney lawsuit. Chris Judge single-handedly destroys the God of War release date and more. Push your ears past the red line for a flaming hot episode of TBM. I'm Jackson Walkup, and I'm the hottest metal car in the world. I'm Jason Simmons, and you know we go with the winner. I'm Jordan Walkup, and boy, something about flames. Crap, I forgot. <laughs> it, it ain't the same if it ain't got the flame. It, it's not the same without the flame. <laughs> it's, and boy, it's not the same without the flame. Folks, we are of course talking about one of the biggest video games of 2021. One that you knew we were going to be stopping to review. It is Hot Wheels Unleashed. Developed by Milestone, the same company that brought some pretty significant racing series like MotoGP and the Ride series. Funny, a lot of their stuff's about bikes, but we got them in for cars this time around. <laughs> you know, I would argue this is at least the biggest game of September 27th, 2021. If this game were coming out exactly one week later, it would have been totally lost to time. <laughs> <laughs> there is no chance. It, there's there's absolutely no chance we'd be talking about this game if it released exactly one week later. You know, it's funny that you specified that they normally make bike games and now they're making car game. But, um, you know, technically these are a lot closer in size to a bike than a car. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways... Uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed is a new arcade racer from Milestone where you uh, pick one of 60 Hot Wheels cars and you take them out on some wild tracks that are... They do a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to tell you all about it. I I don't even really know how to start reviewing this game because it's just so incredibly... uh, something set up that plot (laughs) jackson why don't you give us you know your breakdown of the plot of the game so uh the plot of the game is there is cars that aren't real cars they're toys that look like real cars that's the that's that's the plot would you say that these cars are Diecast? I guess. I don't actually know what diecast means, if I'm honest. I don't either. I know that they put that on the box of Hot Wheels stuff, and I've heard it used in reference to, like, toy cars and things. So it's probably true, but I don't actually know what it means. But what's weird with this game's story is there is technically a story. It's just, it's all in one text box at the beginning. (laughs) Where it's just like, there are these five evil beings terrorizing the city, and the only way to stop them is for one toy car to be faster than the rest of the toy cars. And like, also, and it's like, okay. One of them's a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the way the game works is pretty dang straightforward as far as racing games go. You pick one of your Hot Wheels cars, you race around a Hot Wheel track, all the races are either just straight up who gets the finish line first, or time trials where you're trying to get in under a certain time. It's it's very straightforward. And I think that just the actual racing mechanics, like how the cars feel and the way that the races, like the energy of the races and the, the mechanics, I think it's actually really solid. Like this game is really fun in certain moments. Like I think it's genuinely a good team that made a good game if you're just looking at how the races are. <laughs> It's uh, everything else that I have problems with. Yeah, and there's a lot of like good attention to detail with it. You know, uh, something that you pointed out to me when we were doing some races is, you know, as you're going through, the paint on the side of your cars gets like a little scuffed up and stuff like that. And then there's yeah. the fact that like, since you're driving toy cars, like literally anything will send you flying through the air, which is admittedly <laughs> pretty funny, even though it gets a little annoying sometimes. Also, just speaking of, like, the attention to detail, this game looks fantastic. Like, this game looks better than it has any right to for what it is. Everything is, like, like photorealistic. I mean, you can, like, you can take out one of these Hot Wheels cars and look at it side by side on the, in the game and in real life. And it's, it is wild how, how good the cars in this game look. They, they were a little bit lazier with some of the environment stuff, but, like, the cars and the tracks and things look phenomenal. Yeah, and speaking of, we're getting into that a little bit. I, I will say I had a lot of pop-in issues, and I was on a PS5, yes. so... Oh, yeah, I'm sure there were some... <laughs> I'm sure there were some performance concerns on the last-gen consoles. Um, but, Jackson, you're the one that I think has the least experience with racing games as a whole... So let's let's start with you. How did you feel about the actual racing itself? Even though I am quite bad at this game, it's still the the racing mechanics are still fun. And at least of the cars I earned or purchased, I don't I don't know if I want to say earned. <laughs> yeah. They you definitely don't earn things in this game. Yeah. They like the differences between each car feel pretty significant. At least with the few that I have. So I feel like there's a lot of variety there. And like, it's just, even as someone that isn't good at racing games, it's just, it still feels good. And I feel like for people that are good at racing games, that's a, you know, pretty positive thing for them. I didn't feel like there was enough kind of uh, variety in the cars. It kind of felt like there were maybe four or five car archetypes. Yep, that's exactly what I was about to say. There's like... Big cars, like, stuff like, if you, there's, there's, like, cars based on, like, garbage trucks or a hamburger, (laughs) a giant toaster, and those all kind of handle the same way, and then, at least from what I've seen, there's, like, a standard car class, where most of the licensed cars kind of fit into, and then just kind of, like, normal-sized ones, Uh, and then there, there are two very fast ones. There's the very fast with good acceleration and the very fast with bad acceleration. Or even beyond that, I guess, very fast with good braking and very fast with bad braking. Yeah, I think that there are... It it almost feels like there are only actually about six cars in this game and then a whole bunch of skins for those. 
because any two cars that he have even moderately similar stats are going to feel almost exactly the same in how they drive. Now, there is a, a noticeable difference between the highest speed cars and the lowest speed cars, but like all the low speed cars are pretty similar. All the high speed cars are kind of similar. It's really more the shape of the car that I think determines anything, and that's that's really just the height of it more than anything. But but that's pretty specific. Like just just know that once you have like a really good selection of cars, like I have about twenty five ish now, and I definitely started to see like there were like three or four cars in the game that I just I they just are exactly the same in my mind. Like they might have stats that differ in like a point here or there, but they drive exactly the same as far as I can tell. Um, also, I feel like the cars that we got, uh, I don't know if you guys pre-ordered. I knew that we were going to review it for the podcast, so I went ahead and pre-ordered it. Uh, and I think the cars that it gives you for pre-order bonus are too good because I am still driving one of the pre-order cars. <laughs> and I'm about, I guess halfway through the story mode give or take yeah and that that brings me to one of my biggest problems with this game and specifically it's specifically the thing that annoys me personally the most about this game i recognize it's not going to like drive everyone crazy like it does like to this extent like it does for me but the cars in this game save a handful you get from set story missions everything is randomized you get your cars from loot boxes, and loot boxes are overly expensive and have way too high of a chance of getting you duplicate cars. So I, I feel like there is no rhyme or reason to your progression in this game. Like, one of the, like, like the fourth car I got is one of the best cars I've found so far, and I found it like 30 minutes into the game. And if I upgraded it one more time, I think it would probably be my best car. <laughs> like, like there's just no... I, I don't know. Like, I already have a couple of legendary cars, which is, like, the highest rarity, and I'm not even... Well, I think I'm a little over halfway through. I think I'm roughly the same point you're at, Jason. But it's it, it really sours the whole experience for me because one of my favorite things about racing games, which I love racing games, is you start in these, like, <laughs> crappy little you know, your, your very generic sedan, and then you work your way up to, like, supercars. And I think there are some racing games that have went around that and are still good. Like, the Forza games are, are a good example. You can get real good cars real fast, but they limit what events you can use them in. This game has no kind of restrictions whatsoever. So if you just happen to get a really good car early on, there's just no use for any of your worst cars the rest of the game. Yeah, I wish... I think it would really benefit... I know this isn't really a Hot Wheels thing. Uh, it would really benefit from having different terrain types. All of the driving is either on the floor, which is generally just a flat plane, or it's on, you know, Hot Wheels tracks, which are always the smooth plastic. I, I think it would really benefit from having, like, I don't know, maybe you go outside and you drive in the mud or something. <laughs> just a little bit of variety to the racetracks. Yeah, something to give the bigger, beefier cars an advantage in some aspect. Because right now, just everything's getting outclassed by your, like, F1-style cars and your supercars and stuff like that. Like, it's... I, I don't know. It's just... It's a very clear... We wanted people to spend real money so that they can open packs and stuff. Like, 
I, Can you I, spend real money? Uh, actually, you might not even be able to, for all I know. This might just be the dumbest implementation of loot boxes I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if you can spend money on loot boxes, but there are some cars you can buy. Yeah, yeah. Including... Well, no, you can buy... Oh, wait. I think there's only a couple of cars that you can buy, and they're, like, in the... They're, like, DLC packs, kind of like buying a pack yeah. of cars, right? Is that what you mean? Well, I saw... I saw one in particular, I don't remember what car, but you could just buy it by itself for about the same price as an actual Hot Wheel. Yeah, it was like the Bone Crusher or something like that. And I actually did is... buy that. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> oh. This is a really granular complaint, but I really hate when microtransactions are just worked into main menus and things like that. So, like, I don't have that car, but it's always on my list of cars, and, like, if I try and click on it, it's like, well, let's buy it. And it's a dollar. And, like, that's that's not inherently a big deal. But the game also does this really dumb thing where, like, right at the beginning of the story... The, so in the story mode, there are secrets, which basically boil down to if you meet certain conditions, you can open up secret paths. Including one that's mandatory, and I don't know why it's called a secret at that point. But, but anyways, um, there's one where you need the bone crusher or bone shaker or whatever it is. You need that particular car. And uh, it's like, if you have this car, you can open up this secret path, but there's no way to control getting that car unless you pay us a dollar, wink. Like, that was, that just really got on my nerves. A lot more than it probably should have. But I didn't give in. I didn't spend the dollar. <laughs> I did spend the dollar. It sucks. I think yeah. I already said that. But I just yeah. want to make I yeah. just want to make it very clear. The car sucks. Yeah. It's also a bummer that it's all randomized because I don't think this game is good enough that I'm going to like grind it out to unlock more cars. And I haven't unlocked any of the really cool cars yet. Like this this game has the Batmobile, it has Snoopy riding on his doghouse, it has the TMT TMNT party mobile, it has the DeLorean. I don't have any of that stuff. Like, I've seen Kit in several races. And it's mm. just, it's taunting me every time I see it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wouldn't it be really cool if you had Kit from Knight Rider? And I'm like, yeah, it sure would be. Can I have it? And the game's like, no. Here's your fourth Fiat 500 instead. <laughs> <laughs> I had only like, I had less than half the cars in the game and I still had already gotten like eight or nine duplicates. Like that was infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really wish that there was better ways to unlock the different cars. I, it's just loot boxes suck, and I really I don't know if you can buy the. If if I'm wrong, I'm going to sound like an idiot to anybody that's played the game, but I don't think there's a way to buy the premium currency or anything. Like I I think you just have to earn it, and it takes way too long. Yeah, you only get about fifty coins per race, assuming you win, and it costs five hundred for a loot box. So you have to think, that's 10 races to unlock one car, and there's a chance that it's going to be a duplicate or one you just never want to use. So like, that's just not very good time investment progression. I, I don't know. My biggest problem with loot boxes is I just don't think loot boxes should be a thing if they actually change the way the game is played. They should only be cosmetics. Yeah, and I think that that's something that a or, lot of games are figuring out, but... Perhaps we shouldn't. We should just say they're always bad. Have you nah. considered that? <laughs> that maybe, like, randomizing what you get in a game sucks. And, like, nobody wants that. 
Hey, Jordan, what's the worst part of the best Need for Speed game? Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. Um, so uh, For people that don't know, in Need for Speed Most Wanted, not only did you have to win a race against every car, but it was also random whether you'd get the pink slip or not for that car. Yeah, and that really angered me back in the day. And I'll admit, looking back now, because it was always in the same location in those games. They didn't change, so it wasn't technically quote-unquote random. So, like, I always looked it up and just knew. But, like, thinking back on it, yeah, like, that was a really stupid mechanic. <laughs> like, But that was to actually give you a car, not just a cosmetic thing, right? Right. Yeah. So that was to yeah. give you... So in the in the game, you were racing against the 15 most wanted people. And if you beat them and then... Once you beat them, you had a one in three chance of getting their car. And if you lost that, you just never got that car for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. But that's yeah. not just cosmetics-based. No. I mean, I don't think that cosmetics should be locked behind that either. I just think that loot boxes as a whole are bad. And they encourage gambling, no matter what you're doing. So. Yeah, it is hard to picture. Like, there are games that I don't mind them. But, yeah, thinking back, there's never... I don't. I can't think of any game that's ever been improved by them by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think loot boxes are great, but, like, I don't have a big problem with ones as long as they don't make the game easier for people. Like, I think you should actually be able to earn cosmetics in a game versus getting them from a loot box, but, like, as long as they're not making the game easier for you and then thus in turn harder for other people, I don't think they're as big as a problem yeah speaking of other people the game has multiplayer (laughs) yes and it is um something yeah multiplayer in concept very standard you just race against other people um i think sort of the for me the most fun you can have with this game is going into multiplayer and playing custom tracks because apparently every person that has ever designed a custom track is an absolute genius. <laughs> like every custom track that we raced was awesome, especially the ones that were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at a, a, a custom track in Hot Wheels Unleashed and you say that looks awful, you're about to have the most fun six minutes of your life. <laughs> Yeah, going on to these absolutely insane custom tracks and just trying not to send yourself flying off the track is incredibly cool. Um, That being said, it shows a lot of significant flaws in the game, but uh, the the custom tracks are are wild. Um, And if you're of the persuasion that likes to make custom tracks in other racing games, this game is a gift. Um, it is definitely, it, it is, it is an excessive, uh, track creator. You can just put some absolutely insane things in this game. Plus there's magnetic tracks. So you can just straight up go up walls or hang upside down off the ceiling. And I don't know. It's, it's wild. Like, it's really funny if you're on one of those magnetic tracks in the air, like sideways and you fall off. Cause like, you'll still be going forward for a little because of momentum but then you'll just start to fall down (laughs) yeah suddenly it'll hit you just how upside down you are (laughs) um i I do need to complain about the multiplayer because i i really feel like it kind of stumbles at the gates if you're playing multiplayer online 
you can't play split screen at the same time, which sucks. Um, yeah. So it just really seems like ideally this game should be made for split screen multiplayer, but it only supports two players for some reason. Yeah. So if you have four people and three PlayStation fives, there's no possible way for all four of you to play together. Yep. Which is incredibly stupid. Yeah, it's. It also has some like we had some connection issues, and there was a couple times where one of us was kicked out or couldn't join a lobby. So like, there's definitely some stuff for them to work out there as well. But I think one of the biggest things I I was one surprised at how well the split screen runs, just in terms of like visually still holds up. There's not any like stuttering or any like major visual issues. Um, but playing on a half screen, they have not formatted it well at all. Visibility is a serious problem <laughs> when you're doing oh. split screen. And that's even coming from me who has like especially good eyesight. Like I, I would imagine on some of those darker tracks or when you're in areas with a ton of glare and all that, I'd say split screen goes right out the door. Jackson and I only played like 30 or 45 minutes of it, so I don't have a ton of perspective, but... It was not perfect. You also lost the mini-map, which is pretty crucial on some pretty complicated <laughs> maps. Yeah. I mean, like I said, though, my biggest issue is I think a Hot Wheels game should be based around multiplayer. Like, it, you should right. be able to get a group of people together to play Hot Wheels together because it's Hot Wheels. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, it just really seems like local multiplayer should have been like a no-brainer, and they only did two players. Yeah. And you can't do it while you're, uh, like, racing games forever have had, like, guest systems. If you're playing Mario Kart, you know, you can have split screen and play online. Why can't you do it in Hot Wheels? Yeah. And actually, you know what? (laughs) Speaking of this Hot Wheels game being about Hot Wheels, uh, what what would you guys say is, like, the average age of, of someone who buys and enjoys hot wheels i'm not talking about like collectors but like people that actually play with them as cars i don't know like 10 10 yeah i'd say yeah i'd say like i don't know five to ten yeah that's, that's a that's really sort of, wide average that's i don't know how like, you would get that average <laughs> i was kind of picturing like the the seven to wouldn't seven you to need negative five-year-olds to get that average <laughs> but but anyways i was kind of picturing like sort of the quote-unquote target audience of this game being like seven to nine year olds because that's sort of like the group that i think hot wheels do the best with uh here's the problem this game is incredibly difficult (laughs) like yeah like this game is very hard even as someone that plays a lot of both like legit racing games and a lot of arcade racers there's still some stuff in this game that is tough for me like there were multiple races like not okay not regular races there were several time trials i had to attempt a bunch of times to finally hit the target scores like this game this game is mechanically sound but they really want you to push that <laughs> i don't really know who the target audience for this game is I feel like I'd say it's more of the adults who collect Hot Wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem with that is something I've kind of talked with you guys about is that for some reason instead of using like dated models, you know, there's no like 1968 models of Hot Wheels cars in this game. For some reason, even though they have like 
cars that have been around since 1968, it's always like a 2021 version of that car, which kind of ruins the point, in my opinion. Like, if you're going to have the old cars, it should be the original model of that old car. Yeah. Like, what's the fun in getting a twin mill, which is one of the, I think it was a 69 model, but, you know, it was early. Like, what's the fun in getting it? And then you look at it and you're like, oh, like, this is a really old one. Like, I wonder... Oh, it's from 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a 2021 throwback model, I guess, or something. I, I just kind of wish that there was more old cars. Yeah. I think, one, they definitely should have looked closer to their original models. Like, look like the materials that went into the original. And at the bare minimum, put the year the original released. Even if you're not going to actually make it look like it, at least say, like, this is the 2017 model of a car that actually came out in 1974 or something like that. Like, at least include that information, because not even that's there. Like, I didn't have any cars that were older than, like... Like, I think I had one that was, like, 2006. And, like, everything else was I had one that was that old. Yeah, Yeah, I had a 2005 model, and everything else... I think the next oldest was 2013. I think my oldest was maybe 2014. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, we talked before about how all the cars kind of fit into, like, certain archetypes. So, like... I don't know why there weren't just significantly more cars because if there, if a lot of them are going to handle exactly the same anyways, I feel like it wouldn't have been that difficult for them to throw in several more. I'm almost wondering if the justification for having 60 cars is just the fact that that's roughly how much, uh, the cost of the game could get you in real hot wheels cars (laughs) (laughs) or no, the game was 50 that I was wrong. My bad. It's a deal, then, is what you're saying. You're getting 10 free yep. cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, like, the rest of the game. There's a game in this? I think that settles I it, I wish though. not. Just based on value alone, this game's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't... I just don't really have that much else to say about this game. Like, there, there is genuinely... Like, the bones of a really good racing game in here, but it's just, it's completely muddied by terrible progression, some weird difficulty hooks, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very hard to sort of pin down, but... It'll be interesting to see what the DLC adds. If it's just gonna be, like, new cars, or if it'll actually add, you know, new maps and stuff like that. Yeah. Because currently there are five maps, but... There's a ton of variety within those five maps. There is no shortage of courses in this game, um, even if they start to get a little bit stale once you get further in, just because you are seeing the same three or four different types of track on each one. But there is potentially infinite variety here, just because, like the car- the track creator, you can you can make everything just a little bit different. And plus, there's some weird gimmicks you can throw in. Um, all of which are pretty bad, <laughs> like uh, certain boss environments which throw traps and things in your way, and um, there's uh, a couple where you're driving like on the actual ground, and you see some so like the courses can turn in some pretty weird ways because of that. You go in some air vents at one point. <laughs> um, they love those air vents. Yeah. I feel like there's <laughs> every created map by the user, or like all of the official maps. <laughs> Go into those air vents, I swear. There's just... There is there is no shortage of potential for the tracks in this game. And I think that... I think that 
it's going to be the fans that sort of solidify this as something with some longevity. It's not going to be the devs releasing new courses. I don't know. I don't really feel like there's too much that you can do with the track creator that hasn't isn't already being done. Like, I think it's definitely very unique, but I, I don't think it's super deep, honestly. So, like, I, I really don't think users are going to be able to keep this game alive for a long period of time. Yeah. Unless, like, some major stuff is added. I'll also go out and say it. Um, you know, anybody that plays racing games knows that Forza Horizon 3 had a Hot Wheels DLC. And I'll say, if you have to choose between Forza Horizon 3 with the Hot Wheels DLC and this, definitely Forza, Har- uh, Forza Horizon. Okay, well that's just about enough Hot Wheels Unleashed talk. But let's close it up with those pros and cons and our final scores. Jackson, what you thinking? Very good racing mechanics are in this game. And that's pretty much like one of the really only good things going for this game. Because it's just... It's drowned out by all the bad stuff. Like a very bad progression system where you only get new cars mostly through loot boxes that take forever to earn. The sort of story thing going on, if you want to call it a story, um, just is kind of useless. Throughout the story mode, you have different races between each one. The way it should be is just like you start with one uh, map and you have all the races laid out with its challenges and like completing those unlocks the next one and so on and so forth. And like the farther on you go, the better cars you will also unlock. But also, you know, the harder the challenges and stuff will get until you, you know, reach the end. This is not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm saying it should be that. I think that would be much better. The only thing that really gets harder as the story goes on is the tracks get more complex. Yeah. Which I think is really how the game would get harder for the most part. Uh, but, like, having, like, harder challenges, which I, I haven't done any of the time trial races, but I know... Jordan, you've said that some of them are pretty tough. There is some bare-bones stuff about this game that is good and could make for a good racing game, but everything else about it makes it suck. So, I'd give this a 5 out of 10. Hot Wheels Unleashed is exactly what you would expect from a Hot Wheels game, completely stripped down. You know? It's really got, you know, what you're expecting. It, It has Hot Wheels cars... It's got those famous Hot Wheels tracks. Uh, it's got, you know, the snake that closes its mouth when you drive into it. It's got the big the big parking garage. It's got the orange plastic piece and the blue plastic <laughs> piece uh, holder together. <laughs> it's got the volcano. That the, the car comes out the top. You, you remember that? It's got it. It's got the twin mill. And the... Uh, Batmobile. <laughs> Even if none of us got to drive it. Yeah, but none of us saw it. Or anything. Um, but what it doesn't have is... Longevity. <laughs> I very quickly lost interest in the... The story... Quote unquote story mode of the game. Like... It kind of felt like every time I sat down to play that part, it was kind of a slog. 
Uh, I think it's really saved by the multiplayer. I wish that the multiplayer had a lot more settings. So you could, uh, for instance, um, if you're playing split screen, you cannot turn AI racers off. And if you're playing online, you can't turn AI racers on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Um, The the fact that there's so little settings for the online is insane to me. Yeah, which really sucks because the most fun I've had with this game is doing the like ridiculous uh, user-made courses on multiplayer. Yes, that is where eh, I think that's kind of a problem, wouldn't you say? That's really the most fun and in my opinion, like, yeah. Kind of the really only significantly fun part of the game is playing user-made uh, courses. Yeah, that's because, that's like not we've good. said, like those courses are wild. Yeah. And if you really want a serious race, you're gonna hate them. If yep. you want a serious race, you're probably gonna hate most of the normal uh, courses as well. Yeah, but this is an arcade racer, so I'm not looking for seriousness. <laughs> yeah, just don't expect your car to stay on the road at any point. <laughs> Um, but like I was saying, like the only really fun part of the game is when you're doing those user created courses. And I just think that there should be more to it. Like, I don't think the game should have to rely completely on users for me to have fun. Uh, and on top of that, like making it to where all there, there's a revolving shop that has like five or six cars that you can buy. But generally, if you want to buy a specific, a specific car, you know, it's 500 to buy a loot box but it'll be like 1200 to get a specific car, <laughs> which is kind of lame. Um, yeah. I, I think the cars kind of vary in price, but either way, like the fact that most of your card, most of the cars that you get in the game are going to come from a loot box is really lame and kind of takes the fun out of it. And also that's not how real Hot Wheels work. <laughs> I've never bought a Hot Wheels blind box and I don't think I've ever seen one for sale. So Those do exist, actually. Yeah, I'm sure they exist, but, like, it's not what people think of when they think of Hot Wheels. No, yeah. yeah. You never go out and be like, okay, time to go to the store and buy some Hot Wheel blind bags. Hey, there is some YouTuber that's all about those blind bags. I just kind of think those things all kind of culminate into a game that's only alright. So, I'm going to give the game a 6 out of 10. I think your review really honed in on the problem with this game. Or not the problem, but the best way to describe this game. It wasn't any of your points. It was the fact that you used the word all right. (laughs) And uh, that's exactly what this game is. It's Um, all right. Yeah. As someone that actually like genuinely just likes racing games, I I, I actually liked a lot of this game a, a lot. It's just that it was an un- underwhelming percentage of the game. Um, like, the actual racing feels pretty good, and once you get a good feel for the drifting in it, you can pull off some really cool stuff. It's just that that is muddied by the fact that you there's not a really good sense of you're, you're getting anywhere in the game because so much is randomized, and so much of it is just contingent on what car you're using. Like, a good time trial... You know, it like a perfect run in a crappy car is still going to be several seconds slower than a terrible run in a really good car. And I think that that takes out a lot of what could make a game about Hot Wheels great because there are now suddenly just so many cars that are useless. 
I don't know. That doesn't completely ruin the fact that it's just it is some good driving in there, but it definitely definitely stops this from being a game that I will come back to in the future. Like I liked it more than I thought I would at first, but I just got I got burned out on it so fast. Yeah, so, uh, kind of to go into that, I think a big part of Hot Wheels should be playing and driving around with your favorite car, whether it's a good car or not. Yeah. And this game fails in that in two places. Because one, uh, if your favorite car is not a very good car, then you're going to get completely outclassed in most of the races. And two, there's no way to work your way up to a really nice or cool car. It's completely yeah. luck dependent. Plus, you could just really like certain Hot Wheels cars and just statistical average, they're not in this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah yeah i mean i got i've got a blue tesla model 3 hot wheel car that sits on my desk i don't even think that's in the game pro elon guy on our hands uh i got a galaxy a a galaxy camaro that makes mater noises when you push down on the hood (laughs) of the car i don't think that's in this game oh god (laughs) we got a pro disney fan over here what a what a pull! That was not a Disney product at all. That was from Ride Makers, which is just oh yeah. What's Mater from? Cars. Uh, a freaking what's garden. Cars from. You think there aren't cars outside of Disney, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> what did you even say? Mater clearly comes from Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Too true. Yeah. But <laughs> to get back to Hot Wheels Unleashed. I think if you're the type of person that really likes track editors or really likes to play racers as like quote unquote party games, I think there's a lot to like here. But I think if you're looking for a good racing game that's going to challenge you and let you do some cool things, I just I don't think there's enough here. So I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna split the uprights and give it a five point five. You you know, you mentioned that it if you like it as a party game, then it's good. But I would say it fundamentally fails there. Because you're limited in multiplayer to either two or the number of consoles you have, which is <laughs> not good for party games. Yeah, that that's definitely a, a big setback on that front. I think conceptually it's a good party game. <laughs> it should have been a good party game. Yeah, I'm mad that it's not a good party game. <sighs> All right, well... That's enough Hot Wheels Unleashed. I'm probably never going to play this game again. Oh, but... I'm glad that you said that, because I feel exactly the same way. I'm probably going to uninstall it as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> but we got a lot of other stuff we got to get into. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with all the headlines. <laughs> Folks, it's been a hard year for us all. I don't know why we keep saying year. It's been a lot more than a year, y'all. But COVID has completely changed the way we live our lives. And it's it's affecting us all in different ways. And I think that maybe the brand Konami was the, <laughs> were the people that were hurt worst of all. So, Whenever you think about COVID, please remember what it did to Konami. <laughs> So Konami, uh, famous for making bad decisions well before COVID, uh, is finally, finally getting uh, some pushback on some of those previous bad decisions. 
So, Jason, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, where Konami has been these last couple of years? So, imagine you're Konami. You have one of the most famous video game directors of all time in your company. And he's making great games still. To the point where people are still talking about, even in 2021, one of his games. Uh, and you decide, screw it, you fire him and you decide we're making pachinko machines from now on. We're done with video games. If that's you, you might be Konami. And that was a horrible decision. If you're unfamiliar with pachinko, it's like that uh, coin-pushing, gambling-type game that... Um, it's really hard to describe if you haven't actually seen one. But basically, it's like low-stakes gambling that inevitably snowballs into high-stakes gambling. <laughs> and uh, Konami decided that video games weren't profitable enough, so instead they're going to start investing in these machines. Which, these machines are incredibly profitable in other countries. They don't have a, they don't have a tremendous uh, Western appeal, but like... There is a lot of money to be made in it. However, they made the switch to these gambling machines, which are only in public places. And then, in approximately March of 2020, people stopped going to public places. So, this has been a, a hard couple of years for Konami. But, they've decided the best way to rectify this is to get back into gaming. Just a little bit too late. <laughs> Supposedly. All we have so far are leakers saying it. Um, but I didn't mention it. I only talked about Kojima a second ago, but Konami is still the holders of three of the biggest brands in gaming, and that would be Metal Gear Solid, Castlevania, and Silent Hill. And they've not necessarily delivered on all of those lately, <laughs> but... I don't they... think we've gotten a Silent Hill game or a Metal Gear Solid game in a while, yeah. and we've just been getting Castlevania remakes, yeah. right? yeah. So Konami has a lot under their belt that they are just seemingly not doing much with. But if these new reports mean anything, we could be seeing, one, some new games in those franchises in the near future. And more short term, we could be seeing a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. One of, I would say, probably one of the most important games ever made. <laughs> in terms of pure storytelling, definitely. Kind of heralded the current era of games that we're in now. It also had the best theme song of any video game of all time, and I will fight you. Yep. I think it, I'll describe it as the best James Bond theme song we've ever gotten. And uh, now this is, all, this is all tied to some other uh, headlines that we'll get into. Actually, we're going to go ahead and bring it in on that. So also uh, some big changes in the video game world as of late. Uh, Sony has now acquired Bluepoint, which is the studio that has made some pretty big remasters, um, including Shadow of the Colossus and uh, Ico, 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 or wait, were those the same game? One of those were right. Okay. Uh, no, they're in a series, though. Yes. Technically. They, they remade those, and then much more recently, they remade uh, Dark Souls, which was a PS5 launch title, which launch to incredible critical and sales success um so they've been making a lot of money for playstation for a long time sony has now officially absorbed them which was something like i didn't realize blue point wasn't owned by sony anyways so like <laughs> i think a lot of people thought this was sort of inevitable um 
but it also sort of ties back to this rumor about a Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 3 remake because a lot of people are, are suspecting Bluepoint will be the group responsible, um, which would make a lot of sense with the rumors of Konami and the, and the confirmation that they've now been purchased by Sony. So, I mean, there's definitely something there. It's, this is still all rumors, and this could all completely fall apart at any point. So, I don't even necessarily care for a Metal Gear Solid remake. We just kind of need another collection, yeah. Because uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and Metal Gear Survive are the only Metal Gear games that are playable like on modern consoles. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Four never got another release other than the, the original PS3 release, which is insane. Yeah, absolutely. And Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three are pretty much lost to history. Yeah, I think that I think. They did recently get re-released on... I think GOG has them. Hmm. I was not aware of that. But it, it's just the it's just the original game. Uh, it's not like remastered or anything like that. Yeah. I think the entire Metal Gear Solid series being playable on modern consoles is, is essential. <laughs> like, that's one of those series... I would love to see, like, a refresh in how it's played. Because the first couple are very deep. Yeah. They're... They were sort of predecessors to that third-person over-the-shoulder shooting, and this was a time, especially the first game, was before DualShock controllers were a thing, so it was it it controlled very bad. It uh it was it was the Resident Evil tank controls, but worse. But yeah, it's some big news for Konami and by extension PlayStation. But uh, and by extension, fans of video games. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of would prefer it not to be Blue Point because I don't want to see this be PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, like yeah, you know, exclusivity I think is not very good for the medium as a whole because it's like not everyone's gonna buy a PlayStation or an Xbox, you know. Yup. At the very least, everything should be on PC. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix it. Just all your console. Well, PC I would say is better than the others because backwards compatibility is guaranteed oh yeah of course like it might require some work but you can still get as far as i know you can get any game that's ever released on pc running if you put enough time into it you might need an emulator so i actually said in a previous episode that i thought the shift from yearly installments of pro evolution soccer to a uh gate like a, a long form game that changes over time was a positive change, but uh, Konami decided they weren't going to do it well. <laughs> and uh, Konami's eFootball 2022 is uh, a mess. From my understanding, it's missing several key features that people just kind of expect in the PES series at this point. On top of looking awful yeah and having some terrible bugs yeah and just on top of the bugs like it doesn't even run well yeah like it is just across it's just the board. an absolute nightmare yeah it is horribly made it it like fans and critics are tearing it apart it's sitting at like a seven percent or whatever uh positive reviews 
Um, I'm looking at photos of the crowd in the game now, and it literally looks like something out of the PS2. Like, you hear a lot of people say any graphics that aren't, like, spectacles as PS2 graphics, but, I mean, these are straight-up PS2 NPCs. Um, Looks like the boat people from the Spider-Man games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... This game is wild, and I don't... I don't understand how it came to be. Like, how does a game that is running this badly release to the public in the first place? That's that's just a bigger issue with, like, the scheduling of big games and everything in general. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's on a it's on a completely new uh, engine from the previous games in the series, and they spent two years developing it instead of releasing a 2021 version of PES, right? And it's just a nightmare. (laughs) It's somehow worse than what they were doing before. And what they were doing before, the 2021 wasn't great. (laughs) Or the the 2021. (laughs) Um, So I am looking at a video here where it is a corner kick, and the ref is the one that kicks the ball to a player who is out of bounds. So I don't know what was happening there at all. Jeez. <laughs> oh, this game. It's got some very hands on refs, yeah. which is not something you expect or want from a, from a soccer game. Yeah. I mean, everything I know about soccer, I learned from Ted Lasso. So seems fine to me. Everything I learned about soccer, I learned from being 12. (sighs) Okay. Well, we very rarely go an episode without talking about Disney. And uh, it's upsetting, but it's also necessary. So we've, we've brought up the lawsuit between Scarlett Johansson and Disney a couple times in the past. And uh, quote-unquote good news, we finally have an outcome and um it's pretty much what you'd expect it will uh it will not change anything uh it honestly doesn't matter very much but uh, a settlement was reached between disney and scarlett johansson um i'm not actually sure there's been a has there been a a, a definite number that's being paid out um, not that I've seen so far. Wait, I thought they hadn't even disclosed the agreement. The terms of the deal were not disclosed. Yeah. Yeah, the The settlements already happened. They just didn't say what it was for. Yeah. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, I thought you meant... I, I, I thought you were talking about how they had previously said 50 million, but... No. no. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's over and done with, and like I said... I don't suspect this will change literally anything other than maybe Disney uh, being a little choosier in their wording on contracts in the future. Um, I also suspect that we will start to see newer, younger actors that don't have as much of a background to necessarily merit the asking price of your Scarlett Johansson's or your Robert Downey Jr.'s. Um, We already kind of saw that with uh, Shang-Chi having a pretty young cast and people that don't have the kind of name recognition that the other big MCU stars do. Um, which I guess in a sense, the MCU kind of fostered that name recognition in the first place. Cause no one knew who Chris Hemsworth was before he was Thor. So, you know, it is what it is. Hey, his brother did. 
It's true. It's true. Yeah, Liam. Yeah. I, I bet they were they were very familiar with each other. Probably. Speaking of getting familiar, Amazon's decided that they want to get up and up close and personal with every single person in America or something like that. Pretty sure they decided this a long long time ago. Uh but now they've decided they're gonna release a little robot that they've called Astro. And uh it's basically an Amazon Echo on wheels. <laughs> and if you're thinking, well, that won't work because insert one of a million different reasons, then yes. <laughs> My favorite thing I've seen with it is that people keep comparing it to the robots that Tesla's mentioned. Uh, and I will say Amazon Astro is significantly better than any of the robots that Tesla's shown off uh, because the Amazon Astro is real. <laughs> and it's you know you can it exists. You can have one in your house tomorrow, <laughs> and Amazon would ship it to you and pay uh, as many people as they could as little money as they could to make it happen. It's it's weird because on some level I think something like this was inevitable, so I'm not shocked, and I'm even less shocked that it's not performing like it should. What is sort of confusing on top of that is the links you as a user have to go to for this thing to do its job in the first place, and then it's also not doing its job well on top of that. Like, the setup and this, like, teaching this thing, your layout and how it scans that stuff, is already so aggressively complicated, and also it just doesn't work well on top of that. And also... It's also prohibitively expensive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the price that you pay for this thing, you could just put an Amazon Echo in every room in your house. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, it is, of course, as you would expect from a tiny wheeled robot, it's throwing itself downstairs. <laughs> kind of a lot. <laughs> and even the developers who are behind this thing are like, this is a horrible idea. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This feels like it's something we're still, like, if you had the time and resources to make, like, the perfect environment for it, I think that this is something that could be useful today, but we're still years away from the technology you would need to make this consumer level, like, that that anyone could use and anyone could benefit from. So, I, I don't know. I mean, we know Amazon loves invasions of privacy, and, like, this is no different, but it's still just, like... Like, why was the jump from the Echo, which is just, like, a thing that can answer questions for you, a autonomous robot that rolls around your house and records everything? Why was that the next step? <laughs> well, it's $1,000. And I'm guessing that Amazon was, like... What can we justify charging $1,000 for? Yeah. And you know that Amazon has so much just horrifying tech laying around that uh, whatever whatever they can stick together to make a new thing, they'll, they'll be on. Um, I will say, important detail that might completely undercut everything else I've said so far. It's a cute little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd let one just chill in my house if it would just like roll around and like if it talked like Wally. <laughs> yeah, I mean if it talked like Wally, I'd be in. <laughs> Take notes, Astro. Yeah. 
Yeah, but also what you can only like... get one if you get invited by Amazon. Yeah, which implies there are even less of these things than you would imagine. <laughs> so the fact that so many of them have already thrown themselves downstairs really says something. It comes with a detachable cup holder. So nice. honestly, I've changed my mind. I'm all in. What would be the benefit? <laughs> <laughs> Why would this thing be the cup holder? What do you even do? <laughs> it holds a cup, you idiot. I just want to know about this. <laughs> oh, God. I hate Amazon so much. Oh, God. I like how even in the video they show, like, kind of showing off how it can move around. It, I think it runs into that table. <laughs> it does. It runs into it just a little bit. So well made. I love when big tech brands put straight up bugs in their commercials. Like, I remember there was one, it was for, like, I think it was for my iPhone, the iPhone XR. The actual ad shows a bug where the, where the, uh, the uh, notifications aren't showing up properly. They're, like, in the wrong place. Like, I just love when that stuff slips through somehow, even though you know, like, a thousand people had their hands on this stuff before it went public. Something I really like about it is it, it shows people making video calls. Um, so you can make video calls, quote, on the move. Uh, and it keeps you in frame. But it's going to be walking behind you. Yeah. So it's just going to give whoever it is just a great view of your butt. <laughs> or specifically, like, the back of your calves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is... This this whole thing is so dumb. Yeah. So. <sighs> It's also it also sucks. It's gonna be a huge commercial success, and you know it is. I don't. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's too expensive. Oh yeah, right now for sure. I would say probably in like three or four years there will be a model that's like half as expensive, and then you'll start seeing them actually pop up in like real human beings that don't live for Amazon. <laughs> Jackson, you've been quiet for the last little bit, and you're a big fan of this here game we're talking about. So tell us what's going on with God of War, a la the voice actors. So, you know, everyone just assumed, rightfully, that God of War Ragnarok got delayed to 2022 due to COVID. Like every other thing has. Did you say rightfully? Well, I mean, I, I'd say that everyone... implies that we were all correct for assuming it was delayed due to COVID. Okay. Well, what's all right? What's uh? What word would you use for everyone having? I don't know how to explain this without we using all, rightfully. We all reasonably assumed it was. Yes. There of we COVID. go. Yeah. What word would you use to describe people making a logical conclusion, even though it's wrong? But anyways. It turns out the reason God of War Ragnarok was delayed was because Christopher Judge had to have surgery. And I was very confused by this at first because it was back and knee surgery, I believe, which I didn't think would, you know, affect voice acting. But he probably does the motion capture for this. So, yeah, that makes total sense. Did you say probably? Because we've talked about this before, and we said he definitely does. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. I forgot we talked about this. He specifically 
replace the previous voice actor because the previous voice actor is a very small man. He's he's got a big voice though. Terrence Carson. Ah. Famous for the sitcom Living Single. <laughs> I'm sure that's how he wants to be known too. <laughs> um But anyways, yeah. So He's in a couple episodes. Nope, just one episode of uh, Black Lightning. <laughs> anyways, continue. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Uh, his surgery started, I want to say, twenty, like late 2019, and, you know, do the surgery plus rehab. He was out for a while. So, due to that, game got delayed, which I think is a pretty valid reason to have delayed. It's also nice to just know at least one thing wasn't uh, terrible management of the transition to working from home and things like that. <laughs> Or yeah. at least that wasn't the only reason. I'm sure COVID didn't help anything with this game one way or another. No. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that we can blame Chris Judge for God of War getting delayed. And I do blame him. Now I'm going to go angrily tweet at him. As we all should. I blame myself. How dare you have health issues? Do you not understand that your health issues are not as important as me play video game? <laughs> Welcome to the world of capital G gamers. Okay, well, we got one final headline. As we all know, Valve has a pretty big piece of tech on the way with the Steam Deck, which could potentially revolutionize handheld gaming, or could change nothing, as many of their previous creations have. But they have another pretty big new piece of tech on the way. Their first standalone VR headset, called the Deckard. Yeah, it's a weird name. Is it Deckard based off of Blade Runner, or do you think it's Deckard? I mean, it's definitely got to have the Blade Runner reference, yeah. but do you think it's called Deckard because the the new handheld is just called Deck? They wanted it to be sim- uh, similar? That's the only like connection I could think of, because like as a standalone name, I have no idea what this could be in reference to. I mean, clearly, like the, again, like I said, the, it, there is a, it is a Blade Runner reference, but I don't know like why that would be... Uh, why they would call it that without any other connection. It's really nice to see another big company working on a standalone headset, uh, because so far, as far as I know, it's it's just Oculus with the Quest and the Quest 2. Which is a Facebook product. Yeah, and the bigger issue is, if you break Facebook's term, uh, terms of service, they can and have shut off your uh, access to using an Oculus Quest. So... I forgot they bought Oculus. Ugh. I would prefer not to be at Facebook's... Uh, I don't know what term to use there. I don't want to be at Facebook's mercy. Like, if I accidentally break their terms of uh, terms of service, like, I suddenly can't use the VR headset I paid $600 for. So it's nice to see Valve kind of make one. Yeah, and I have an Oculus Quest 2, and it's... It's fine, like... It's certainly not the worst VR headset I've used, but it is definitely held back by the fact that it's just the Oculus first party stuff, and it's also just not as, it's just straight up not as good of a headset as a lot of the wired ones are. So I'm sure if anyone's going to make a good, truly wireless one, it's going to be Valve. Plus, Valve already has, from my experience at least, the best controllers for VR, because it has, like, better finger tracking than anything else has. Very cool. I don't remember what the controllers are called, but they're they're very nice to hold. Um, 
But the, the biggest thing about it is just that since it's not an Oculus uh, headset, it'll probably be open to have whatever market you want to use on it. Yeah, which that will go <laughs> so a very long way. you can download way. stuff, yeah, presumably from the HTC Vive store, as well as just everything on Steam, which the VR library on Steam is getting bigger by the day. I still can't help but feel like we're a good ways away from, like, truly great VR games. Like, there are just so few of them right now. I would say the only great VR game is uh, Beat Saber. And even then, you have to play the the jailbroken version (laughs) to actually, like, make the most of it. Because the actual... I still think Super... Super Hot VR is fun, but... One, it's not very long, and then two, I, I just feel like it doesn't capture your motion well enough, and like throwing stuff is very hard, or maybe it's capturing motion too well. I feel like there should be stuff to make stuff like <laughs> there should be things in place to make throwing easier, because it does it doesn't feel viable, and it's kind of lame because it's a pretty important part of the main game. Mm. I've never played the not VR. It's all right. <laughs> okay, well, it's a lot of headlines, a lot of Hot Wheels talk, so I think it's time to pull the plug. Well, before Deathloop came out and I needed to spend all week playing that, I was playing God of War. And while Deathloop was out, I wasn't playing it. So I picked it back up and... Um, I have to say, pretty much the same thing I said about it when I first played this a few years ago. Something about the, like, second half of this game is just amazing. Because <laughs> it starts it starts to go more into, like, not really all of Norse mythology. Kind of just centered around Tyr itself, I guess, who was the Norse god of war. And everything about pretty much that section from, like, right after... Uh, um... Right after getting to the peak in Midgar and finding out, oh, that's not the highest peak in all the realms. Pretty much everything after that point in the game is just spectacular. It's a good game. Oh, also, uh, uh, when I first played this game, I did not care much for the Blades of Chaos. But I realized this time playing it, there's an ability that when you throw them at someone and they're impaled by it, uh, you can then like send a fire blast down the chain that then explodes them, and that's real fun to use. The game does have some pretty wild powers, and I just skipped over a couple of them because they just didn't seem like they were necessarily like compatible with how I played. But the the second time I played the game, I was a lot more experimental with it, and I found like some really cool stuff that like the weapons worked in some ways I just totally missed before. Yeah. Uh, other than that, in Hot Wheels, I haven't been doing much. So, Jason, what have you been doing? Hello, and welcome to Jason's Death Stranding Corner. This week, I've continued to play Death Stranding, and let me tell you, once you get to the second map, the game opens up quite a bit. Definitely a lot more fun. Once you can start kind of building roads and driving all over the place, it really kind of cements the whole idea of the game being about reconnecting uh, America and kind of rebuilding America and reconnecting the people that are within America. And it's a lot of fun kind of getting to explore. Um, As the maps kind of open up, there's definitely a lot more 
chances to kind of use the different things that you can build. And on top of that, there's a lot more opportunities to explore. The first map kind of feels very linear, but the second map is very wide open. Like It definitely kind of requires you to drive around because of how big it is, and it's just a whole lot of fun. I'm having a great time playing the Death Stranding Director's Cut, so... I'll probably just continue to provide updates because that's the main thing that I'm doing outside of playing, you know, whatever our main game or movie for the week is. So, <laughs> After I finish God of War, that is what I plan to play. I have so much stuff on the, on my radar right now, but that is one that I've like, it's what I've been saying I want to try since it came out and I've just never gotten around to it. But I guess now that it's officially on PS5 is, is a, a pretty good time to jump into it. <laughs> Plus, it has all of the extra goodies that came with the PC release that isn't in the normal PS4 release. Mm, nice. Um, specifically, there's some Half-Life-inspired items and some uh, Cyberpunk-inspired items that are pretty helpful. One of the Cyberpunk upgrades you can get makes it to where... Uh, normally, you can only see compass markers when you look into your compass and then a few seconds afterwards... One of the cyberpunk upgrades makes it to where you can decide it'll drain your your battery because your character has like a battery that runs all of his uh, his extra tech that he uses to get around, which can be like a, an active skeleton that makes you know your carrying capacity higher or makes you faster, and then just random stuff like this where it makes it to where map markers just don't disappear, which is very useful. When you're trying to get around. Because I'm losing map markers all the time. It's pretty easy to get turned around when a lot of the areas are pretty samey looking. Uh, and then on top of that, like, there's some cool Half-Life inspired stuff. Like, uh, you can get, like, hard light bridges from Portal. Hmm. And then there's, like, a Half-Life car that you can get, that you can drive around, which is pretty nice. Because it absorbs bullets and stuff like that. These were all things that were added as like part of its Steam release, or yeah, hmm. wasn't in the original release, and I don't think it's in the PS4 release if you play that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much the main thing that I've been getting into. How about you, Jordan? What you been into? Well, speaking of playing the same old games all the time, uh, I decided it had been a little bit too long since I played good old Hades. So I finally picked it up on PlayStation, which is something I've been planning on doing for a while, because I, I think I, I like this game enough that I am willing to put the time into it again so that I can get the Platinum Trophy, because I have very few Platinum Trophies, and all the ones I do have are on games that I really, really love. So I've started over on PS5. Um, it's a real good game, y'all. I know I've talked about it extensively in the past, but... Uh, Pretty much from minute one, even when you are incredibly underpowered and you're up against basically impossible odds, it's still really fun. And then all the way up until the point where you are just like an absolute machine tearing through all these souls to the underworld, like it's still real fun. So it, it's just a real good game. Um, I've pretty much been playing it like one run at a time this time around, where before I was definitely like marathoning it more. But uh, now that we have a week coming up where there's no other games on the radar i am planning on really digging into it um at least until <laughs> metroid dread releases uh next week um which is oh boy i'm excited <laughs> can i can i uh i redact uh all my talking about hades i instead want to use this this segment to talk just about how excited i am about metroid dread 
that's what do you have to say about metroid dread it it comes out in a week it looks real good (laughs) um and everything i've heard with people that have gotten like early hands-on and stuff is that it also just feels phenomenal to play so i am real real excited and uh yeah that's that's coming soon and we will have an episode where we go really in depth about it in in a couple weeks so keep an eye out for that but we don't want to give away too much of the future instead we're going to end the episode here (laughs) so if you would like to reach out to us you can do so on twitter at totally biased media no, sorry, at TBMcast. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Totally Biased Media, or you can send an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show, suggestions for what we review, your own personal reviews, anything and everything you want to tell us about the show, please do it, however works best for you. But for the Totally Biased Media podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. I forgot I was second. <laughs> and I'm Jackson Walkup. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Did you do finger guns that time? I do finger guns every time.